0: Welcome back to Plant Power, the power of plants in a changing climate. I'm your host, Emma Wilson, the Fred and Virginia Houck sustainability intern at the North Carolina Botanical Garden. I'm here to guide you on a six episode journey through native plant topics and their connection with our changing climate through interviews with some of North Carolina's finest naturalists. Because of the coronavirus, COVID-19, we have made some changes to our podcast schedule and will be trying out some new recording strategies using remote recordings. So we thank you for your patience as we navigate through this new scenario.
1: When we get our hands in the dirt, literally, there are studies that have, or scientists have been able to identify um, a bacteria that has been shown to increase our serotonin and dopamine levels. Oh, wow. I find this really, really fascinating. Um, So literally, getting your hands in the dirt improves your moods.
0: Nature can be used for more than just ecosystem resilience. It is also a healer. Nature heals, soothes, restores, and connects. Research has shown that time in nature can reduce stress and increase physical well-being. It helps us cope, which is becoming increasingly important with recent projections of our changing world. The hypothesis of biophilia, theorized in 1984, suggests that humans innately connect with and seek out nature. The term biophilia means love of life or living systems. We are currently living in the geological era known as the Anthropocene, which is defined as the era in which human activity dominates and heavily impacts our climate and environment. In the Anthropocene, the connection between humans and nature has dwindled as we continue to advance technologically and spend less time outdoors. We spend way more time on devices than we do in nature. This poses a problem with taking action against climate change impacts because of a lower sense of urgency and a lack of knowledge of local ecosystems. The biophilia hypothesis has potential to aid in the climate crisis by reconnecting people with nature and by strengthening the cause to support and defend natural areas. This has been implemented through the use of park prescriptions, ecotherapy, forest bathing, and other activities. This episode comes at a relevant time, as Americans and nations across the world are facing the coronavirus, COVID-19. The threat of illness, caring for sick family members, and forced social distancing and isolation measures have increased fears and anxieties throughout the country. Now, more than ever, do we need to turn to nature for healing and peace. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Leslie Montana, a mental health specialist that has utilized nature as healing in her work at the University of North Carolina's Counseling and Psychological Services, also known as CAPS. Leslie, thank you so much for speaking with me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me,
0: Emma. Of course. Leslie has streamlined a relationship between CAPS and the Carolina Community Garden, allowing students to work and be outdoors in order to aid them in their well-being. Dr. Montana, do you mind explaining a little more about the program and how it got started?
1: Yes, I'm happy to do so. I um, will first explain a little bit about the Carolina Community Garden. Um, it's a partnership between the University, the Botanical Garden, and the community. And the aim, as far as I understand, is to grow sustainable produce. Um, this food is donated to employees of the University, especially those who uh, would not normally have access to fresh produce. And um, the relationship between the garden and the counseling center, or I should say, um, between the health center, ca- uh, campus health. Um, last summer, one of my colleagues was volunteering at the garden, and she had the idea of promoting the garden as therapy to students, um, really to, um, to help them with anxiety and depression.
0: Um, have you gotten any feedback or results that you've seen from this program?
1: So. Yes, Um, as far as feedback at this point, a lot of it is anecdotal. Mm -hmm. I've had students tell me that um, the time they spend outdoors in the garden is the highlight of their week, that they return on a regular basis. I I met with a graduate student who swears that she would not have made it through her program were it not for the garden. So I think it really can and does make a big impact you know, looking at the kind of the bigger picture, we, we know that gardening is good for us. Mm -hmm. There are, you know, physical and mental health benefits. Um, there's a lot of research behind this gardening therapy, otherwise known as horticultural therapy has a long history. Um, I, um, have heard and read that, you know, it dates back to ancient Greek times.
0: So it sounds like you're writing prescriptions for students to be in nature. Is that true?
1: So, minus a prescription pad, I would say um, yes. And um, actually, I'm not the first to do this. There is a there is a um, a pediatrician in DC who has started writing prescriptions to his patients for them to spend time in parks. Um, but I think this is along this falls along the same lines. And um, I it's as if I were writing them a prescription. I do I do really. Um, believe it's a good idea. Gardening is, is good for us in so many ways, um, that I think it's, it's worth, um, prescribing it as if I were prescribing a medication. Mm
0: -hmm. So Leslie, what are these benefits that we're seeing from gardening?
1: So gardening is, is good for us in many, many ways. First, um, and foremost, it's an outdoor activity. So we, we do it outside for the most part. Um, and, um, you know I think it's worth mentioning that most of us spend over 90% of our, our waking hours indoors and a lot of that time on screen so you know any opportunity to get outside is a good thing. There are added benefits um, when we get our hands in the dirt literally there are studies that have or scientists have been able to identify um, a bacteria that has been shown to increase our serotonin and dopamine levels. Oh, wow. And I find this really, really fascinating. Um, so literally getting your hands in the dirt improves your moods. Um, also participating in, you know, the life cycle can be very um, beneficial. Doing something together as a community can help us to feel better, more inspired, and um, have the experience of giving something back.
0: Wow, that's a lot of good reasons to be outside and gardening. And I love the there's a quote that's get out of your head and get in the dirt or something, that resonates with what you were just describing. So that's really cool. Yes. So, what got you interested in nature's healing and nature therapy in the first place?
1: So, as far as nature's healing, I um, you know I think back on my on my experience and I'm really fortunate in that I, I spent a lot of time outside growing up mm-hmm. and I hopefully hopefully a lot of people have the same experience. Um, this was pre-technological age. I spent a lot of time playing in the woods, actually um, grew up around here and spent a lot of time around Morgan Creek and uh, my parents were, were wise enough to limit how much TV my sisters and I watch each day. This yeah. was from the 70s. So I, did not suffer from from nature deficit disorder, um, fortunately, and so fast forward to the present. I I um, try to be intentional about spending time outside because you know intuitively I I feel that it is um, helps my mood helps me to feel better and um, do a little bit of gardening in my front yard as well. I became interested in nature therapy as a practice about a year and a half ago. Um, a colleague of mine uh, directed me to a training in ecotherapy. Well, I'd never heard of that. Um, the training was in Texas. I didn't actually go, but that kind of set me on a path to um, to explore nature therapy, uh, otherwise known as ecotherapy. And um, I've been exploring ways to bring nature into my work ever since. Um, I believe in this work. There are actually uh, degree programs, certificate programs in ecotherapy for anyone who is interested, and there is just a lot of research to back it up. Um, I think this is because it's available to us, and um, I believe that it's, I would say, kind of a missing piece for many of us um, as far as how we are living our lives in this technological age.
0: Nice. So can anyone use nature therapy? What are some ways that our listeners can turn to the natural world to heal?
1: So absolutely anyone can use nature therapy. I think this is really the beauty of of nature therapy. Anyone can try it. Anyone can benefit from it. it. Um, It's accessible to most all of us in one way or another. Um, It doesn't have to be complicated. Probably the easiest way um, to to start is to spend more time outside. And I think pre-pandemic, I probably had a whole list of of suggestions and different ways to connect to nature. And um, given our situation, I thought I would start really um, basic. Mm -hmm. And um, actually thought I'd mention a study. The, a friend of mine shared this with me. It was published, a study was published in Nature last year. And it um, shows that people will start to see benefits um, after they they spend just um, two hours of time outdoors per week. Oh, wow. um, so it's not that much, really. Um, I think it's really doable. Um, Interestingly, someone told me that in, in Finland, they did a similar study. And in Finland, you need five hours per week. Okay. Um, different climate, different different um, part of the world. But um, so just thinking of where we are now with the pandemic situation, because we're all on stay-at-home orders, um, I, I think that we can begin by literally just walking outside our, our door, our doorstep. And um, this, I, I feel like this, there. are is not a better time, given that it's spring, and um, the weather's in general really lovely uh, for us to explore, um, you know, what is really literally right outside. Awesome. Um, Yeah, I heard, you know, I heard mention of plant blindness, and I think the first episode, and um, I also think we tend a little bit toward place blindness. Mm-hmm. And so I think that um, as difficult as the situation is right now, I think many of us may be pleasantly surprised to discover what is really close, what is really nearby. And um, I'm, I'm finding that myself, you know, taking walks uh, in my own neighborhood.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a really good point, actually. I I am also at home my, where my parents live, not in Chapel Hill anymore. But I've been exploring some state parks that are near me that I didn't even know were there and it's I've been pleasantly surprised at all of the nature that's around me that I can utilize during this time of anxiety but that's a really good point um and as far as some people in our country and across the world are facing a situation where they aren't even able to leave their homes do you think that them using their imagination and visualization skills of the natural world would be helpful during this time of anxiety and fear
1: so my heart goes out to to folks who are not able to leave their their homes um, but I, yes i absolutely do believe that um, you know using visualization reading nature poems um, just imagining time spent outside in nature can be really helpful
0: awesome Is there any chance that you could lead me and the listeners out there in a short nature meditation of some type or any sort of meditation as we process all of this anxiety and fear during this pandemic
1: sure yeah i um you know in thinking about this this podcast i um thought i would share a poem this is a poem um, written by a nature um, guide and nature poet her name is Kai Seidenberg. She is based out of California, mm-hmm. and um, she actually writes a lot of beautiful nature poems. Um, but this one, I chose this poem because it it imagines a world in which um, humans are more deeply connected with nature, and the re- the relationship is a little bit more reciprocal. And um, I think it's something we can aspire to during our walks outdoors and during, um, you know, hopefully we'll be spending a little, I'll be spending a little bit more time outdoors in the next few weeks and probably months ahead. Mm -hmm. So the poem is called What If, and I'll just read a part of it if you all are ready.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: What if, what if the leaves stirred to singing by the breeze, sing with even more joy when they notice you are listening. What if the small white flower quivers with delight when you notice her tiny yet honorable contribution to the beauty of this world? And what if that brief moment is all she needs to know that her life is worth living and all her efforts are not in vain? What if? So that's part of the poem and um
0: I hope you enjoyed it. (laughs) And the title of the poem is What If? Yes, that's correct. Awesome, cool. Well, I think that's all the questions I have for you. So thank you so much, Dr. Montana, for your time and leading us through that awesome meditation exercise. And I hope you have a good day. Stay healthy. Thank you so much, Emma. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Plant Power. Dr. Leslie Montana provided us with some really useful information on how to use nature as healing. If you are interested in learning more, continue listening with us over the next few weeks and check out our website for more resources at ncbg.unc.edu plantpower. Next time, we will explore the topic of native plants and pollinators with an NC State employee, Clyde Sorensen. Tune in next time to hear more about that topic. With us today, we had Dr. Leslie Montana from the University of North Carolina's Counseling and Psychological Services. This podcast is made possible by the North Carolina Botanical Garden. This episode was produced by Jana Starr with music brought to you by Terry Bachland. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe to our podcast and share it with a friend. I'm Emma Wilson, and this is Plant Power.